segment on The Last Dance, the amazing ESPN documentary. Uh, this is Eric, uh, co-host Zach. Say what's up. What's up? We got Wiley in the house. Wiley, what's up? How we doing? Man, I'll tell you right now, just my opinion, I think these, these last two episodes were the best episodes so far. Um, you know, it's funny is we can all agree that it's a pretty much Jordan-based, like Jordan's calling the shots in this one. We can all admit to that, right? for the most part. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's a fact. Yeah. Right. But the thing I thought was cool was he didn't dance around stuff, which I thought was kind of neat about. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But um, episode five, uh, I thought it was really classy, starting off dedicating it to Kobe. I thought that was, I thought that was very cool. Um, and the music has just been amazing. It's, it's bringing me back. I'm a, a little bit older than you guys. And, all the hip hop stuff is definitely bringing me back to that time period. They're doing a great job um, with with matching the music from the time period, which I thought was uh, which I thought has been really good to this show. Um, so episode five, we're starting with the Jordan shoe deal. Um, did that surprise you guys? Any of that? Yeah, I mean, it surprised me. I didn't realize that Nike was really kind of basically his last option. Um, I didn't I didn't know he's an Adidas guy. I didn't know he's wanting to go with Adidas, but that was really interesting to see how that kind of all came together. And it was really interesting to see how his agent kind of targeted him to be more of a individual athlete, kind of like the tennis players in that shoe deal rather than like the team sport guys, like in Converse. So he was really kind of like the first team sport guy to really take that jump and have his own signature and kind of be the face. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh yeah. Hands down. I think the Converse, I remember the Converse when I was a kid, and I think they were just the colors of the team that the, the guys were on for the most part. Yeah. So I don't remember them. I don't remember anybody having like a shoe, shoe deal. I want to say Dr. J had the first shoe deal though. Yeah. From what I remember um, being a little dude, but I don't remember anybody else, but it was kind of interesting that basically his dad was the one that got him to go to Nike and think, I mean the, that, that stat of they were hoping to sell 3 million shoes. Yeah. And then they sold 126 in the first year yeah in the first year that yeah, number crazy. is like astounding for that time yeah. like that's insane dude and i'll carry a lot of this podcast because that, that was basically when i grew up in that era those shoes were expensive but you know what's funny and how much they were you want to die laughing they were like 50 to 75 bucks that's it oh yeah but they were like that was expensive from back then and i remember every one of my friends wanted jordans and like you know, not many of my friends had them. They were that, they were pretty expensive. But I do remember having a pair when I was a kid and it made me laugh when he put them back on and played in the garden. Remember how he said it's like his feet were bleeding and stuff? Yeah. They were not basketball shoes per se, if that makes sense. Or yeah, no, they're more casual pain. shoes. I had they, a pair. Yeah, yes. definitely. Oh, do you, have, do you have one of the original pairs? Yeah, I got two of them. Nice. So you would never play ball in those? No, they're like bowling shoes. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Oh, my God. It's amazing. But yeah, they, they were Adidas, not to play. But Adidas at that time was like the main, the main company, right? Because they were doing shoe deals with like 
Run DMC and all those guys. And no, was like, no, no. Hooking up then, no? No, timeline's wrong. No. Uh, when was that going down? That was like 90s? 86, 87. 86, 87. Yeah, Adidas, you know what Adidas was really big was? Was their t-shirts, and they were more of a soccer company, to be honest with you. Um, okay. Um, Converse was the basketball shoe when and I was a kid. When did Starter come in? Like the Starter jackets, and like I saw a couple Starter logos. Like 80, on the- 80, probably 88, 89. Because like Starter was in there too, right? Somewhere in that range. They, they didn't get really, really hip until like – you know what broke starter was football first. Football first, um, starter jackets and stuff like that, and then basketball. But yeah, Converse was the big the sneaker back then, and then. Uh, and it's crazy to think that these guys are playing in Converse. Like I have a whole new respect for those guys in the '80s playing in those shitty ass shoes because I tried oh, yeah. to play in a pair of Converse my senior year of high school, and I lasted a half. I couldn't do you it. You can't do it. It's amazing. No way. That's the one thing they don't talk about. Also, is really how much basketball shoes i mean think about i mean think about the 50s and 60s what they played in yeah i mean you really your basketball shoes did not take that next level jump until probably year four or five of jordan yeah probably and then they really they really started changing and then they started getting ridiculous and people started getting shot in the city for them because Jordans were like 150 dollars a pair of sneakers so people were actually getting mugged and shot and having their shoes took right off their feet yeah, we're lucky to have Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, that was astounding. He's like – he was on the Mickey Mouse Club with, like, Ryan Gosling and, like, Britney Spears, and he's like, I was mowing lawns so I could save up to <laughs> not. Yeah, I was like, JT, you did not have it that rough. But, yeah, I, but I respect it. It's amazing the, the people you're getting to see talk, isn't it? Yeah, I still don't know what Obama's doing in there, but whatever. Just because, well, just because he was – he was uh, I don't want to sound like a dumbass, but he was the governor or mayor – no, he was the governor, uh, mayor of Chicago. That's why. No, I, I know, but the first interview he had, he basically just said how he like was, couldn't afford tickets, and that was like it. I was like, thanks, Barack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they do have some random people in there where you're just like, why are you – what? <laughs> And the Timberlake one's pretty funny too. That's kind yeah. of like, all right, cool. Um, yeah. Just, so the, the think, shoot, I'm sorry. Go for it. I wow. think it's just crazy though that his mom was like, "You, you're gonna do this," and he was like, "No, nah, I'm not going to Nike. I'm not doing anything. Uh, I don't even want to go up there. I don't even want to entertain them." He was like, "No," and his mom was like, "You better go up there and you better sit down with them." And uh, with me. I mean. Game Shout out changer. to mom for being the MVP on that one. Game changer. Sure. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't go to. He doesn't go to Nike. And really, what happens to Nike? You know, because yeah, they were a startup then, and they weren't really. I mean, they were a running shoe basically, but they yeah. weren't really breaking into like other markets and getting out there. And now, now say, look at where they're at. I want to say tennis too. Yeah, tennis is one. I want to say tennis also. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was interesting. Like when I was a kid, man, we all had the Adidas T-shirt. That was like the cool thing to wear when we were kids, but Nike wasn't cool. I remember that. And Converse was cool too, just because they had bird magic. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a lot. So Jordan definitely knocked the, you know, and the thing, $250,000 was his contract. Think about that. I mean, that's crazy to think about what that industry is worth. Think about you, you basically took a shoe company from to 126 million shoes in one year that were sold. I wonder how fast he renegotiated that contract. What do you think? <laughs> of course. You think he had had a, do you think he had a percentage of, mm. of, of the sales? 
I'm sure at some point because he's now, yeah. I mean, for sure now, but at some point in that process, he has to. Um, There's no way Nike's not giving him a percentage of that because he's he's basically selling all of the shoes for them, you know, and and really skyrocketing their shares and in the stocks and everything. So I, at some point they got to give him some. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You would think so. I mean, he's, I wonder if it was after that first year, um, the Mars Blackman stuff was funny to see again. I, I had completely forgot about Mars Blackman. Um, <laughs> that was really cool. And, and it really did bring, give more, you know, cred to, to Michael Jordan for sure. Um, I thought the McDonald's commercial was hysterical where he's like got the sandwich in his hand. He's all like walking around and stuff. <laughs> it's still, it's still not as funny as a commercial of Larry Bird rapping. I mean, oh, that, dude, that wow. dude can flow. I was waiting for you to say something about that. That was amazing. Yeah. I, he can spit. You, you could, you could tell that the, uh, the shoe commercials have come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> all commercials, even the McDonald's ones have too. Oh man. That was so amazing. It's almost like he looked like he's never eaten anything at McDonald's in his life. <laughs> he was walking around with that sandwich. It's just like well, it's always it's always guys like that. They're in the McDonald's commercials, like Dwight Howard, just like super yoked. And I'm like, you are not eating Big Mac. You're not eating McDonald's. Well, no hey, way. you know what? Ocho Cinco. Ocho, Ocho Cinco for sure. Day. He was like, I eat McDonald's every day. And <laughs> Dude, he is the best Twitter follow, by the way. For sure. If you're not following Chad Ocho Cinco, go follow him Dude, right he, now. He just randomly is like, hey. Like, go down to this movie theater. Like, I'm just going to buy everybody a bunch of seats and we're going to watch a movie. Or He's just crazy. He's very generous, but it's really fucking funny. He gets he's all a aggro. down-to-earth guy. He just likes he's to have so fun. He's so down-to-earth. So down-to-earth. Love that guy. Um, let, you want to talk about the finals, the Lakers finals in 91, the first championship that the Bulls win? Anybody want to, you know, talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's his first title, so it's a big one for him. And uh, to finally get over the hump, I think it was B.J. Armstrong. He was saying how um, he didn't play basketball. He finally just figured out how to win. So he's playing a different game than the rest of the people on the court. And that was like the perfect way of describing how Jordan played because he's really not the most talented NBA player that we've seen. He's really not. He just outsmarted everybody, outworked everybody. And he was playing chess and everyone was playing checkers. And that's the perfect way to describe how he was. Because I can think of probably 50 more talented guys, but he's just the alpha alpha, you know. Complete package. I totally agree with you on that. I thought I thought there was a lot of good quotes last night. And I thought um, I thought that and the Blazers one too, where he took offense to being compared to Clyde. Yeah. I oh, yeah. thought that was really interesting. And, I mean, it's totally true. I mean, like we, I, we were saying a couple podcasts ago, Drexler was the next guy. It was him and Jordan. And, um, I mean, they a lot of people at that time thought maybe Drexler was better. And I could see how Jordan took offense to that. But the one thing that they left out in the documentary, and which it's funny, that's how you know it's kind of ran by Jordan because he picks and chooses what information's left out. Drexler was actually hurt in that series. Yep. Like, se- severely hurt, and nobody talks about that because he talked about that. Who? Our our friend Dwight James. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah. I follow, I'm following him now on Twitter, and he talked about that. Yeah, it's cr- he had like a torn meniscus and yeah. had yeah. surgery and missed like 50 games the, the following season. Yep. So I mean, they they leave that out. He's basically limping on the floor, and he actually had a great series. He's averaging like 25 points. I mean, he, he had a great stat line. So not to take away anything from Jordan because he outplayed him, he beat him. 
uh, he, Jordan's not a three-point shooter, and he still hit those six threes. So yeah. he did take his oh, yeah. game to a whole other level. And real quick, nobody was shooting threes like that. No. Really. I mean – Especially Jordan. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. So that's that was kind of one of those, like, hey, check this out. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but continue. No, I'm, I'm just saying it's like they kind of make it sound like Drexler had this terrible series, but he actually had a great series basically on one leg. So, I mean, you can't really say – Jordan completely dominated him. Jordan just outshined him. That's what well, and Dwight said on his Twitter too. He said he said he was never the same after the after the surgery. Yeah, I mean, you, you tear your meniscus. He relied on his explosiveness. You know, and he only um, lasted three more years after that. Basically. Yeah, and that was a that was a difference between him and Jordan. Jordan figured out the post game. That's why he could play longer. Whereas Drexler never did. Jordan totally. Drexler had everything Jordan had, but the post game. That turnaround. That turnaround post up, man. Oh that yeah, fade yeah. away. Forget yeah. it. Um, so I th- I thought that was interesting. Um, I also thought the Olympics, um, which was something I was so waiting for because I don't know if Wiley knows it, but I know me and you have talked about it, Zach, where they had the practice against each other. Did you know that Wiley before you watched that? Yeah, I knew um, about that. How they had that practice, and um, I mean. I was just thinking the entire time, though, like to have all those dudes in a gym, that would have been electric. Oh, my God. Absolutely electric. To just be sitting there and, and watching those dudes play, that would have been awesome. And you can, you, know, feel it, you can feel it, too. And the funny thing is all their shit talking had, like, no curses to it. Wasn't that funny? Yeah. I mean. Like, when they're, that, they're all talking, they're like, I see you. I see you. You know, there was no, there was no, <laughs> no crap. Like, there's no curses to that talking. But good Lord. You can tell. The thing I liked about it was it was just a practice and they took it so seriously. And I wonder, here's a question for you two that's interesting. Do you think that they knew that was going to be the most competitive ball they played throughout uh, that Olympics? Like that was going to be the only game that they played essentially where they felt like it was going to be a competition? I think so. I think you had a lot of guys that were trying to prove – who they were in the in the league, like where they ranked. Like Jordan was not really Jordan yet. Like he hadn't really won anything yet. Um, I mean, not compared to like Magic and Larry. Like obviously Larry was on the way out. So Larry was just happy to be there. But I mean, Magic still wanted to hold that torch. And until he realized like, oh, you know, this is not my show anymore. Then he you know, hands it over to Michael, but then you have Malone and Barkley still kind of battling for who's the better power forward in the league. You have Ewing and Robinson kind of battling for who's the best center. You have Leitner who's trying to prove something. So, I mean, you have a lot of guys who are, you know, the best players on their team. And then you also have Pippen too, who's trying to prove who he is. So I think they all kind of went into the mindset, like I want to, you know, show everyone what I'm about. Now, remember too, this is, this is post HIV. Right. Yeah. Also. So this is magic's probably last hurrah in his head. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he wants to prove that he can still play. Yeah. And it was interesting to see him in the shape he was in because he, he's in great shape for having HIV. Well, he, well, he was, but then you remember how he bulked up. Yeah. Like in the mid nineties, like he was, he was bulkier and he kind of was stayed bulky the rest of his life after that. But he was still, he was still 1990 magic shape in 92. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was something that was surprising to see. Um, that was a hell of a practice. I, th- I thought it was amazing. I wish they would have talked more about the Olympics 
to be honest with you. We went over it in the Dream Team podcast. So if you want to learn a little bit more, you know, tune into that one. But I um, wish they would have shown more from that practice because there's a lot of footage where I'm yep. thinking, how is that highlight not in this documentary? Because yeah. there's a couple of Jordan just completely annihilating Robinson at the rim. I'm just yep. like, wow, how is that left out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, it's a shame too because. You, you know what would be great? is Because like, can you see the whole game? I can't remember. Yeah, you can the see the whole game. The whole game's on YouTube, yeah. right? Yeah, well, it's in my dad's garage. So, uh, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's oh, somewhere. Nice. Yeah, it's on one of the – but I'm sure it's on the internet. It's got, it's yeah. got to be over there. It's got to be out dad, there somewhere. If my dad has it, the internet has it. <laughs> it's one of the coolest things. It's one of the coolest games you, you can ever see because really when you think about it, everybody but birds in their prime essentially. Yeah, and I'm glad the Isaiah thing was cleared up too because I've never thought Isaiah wasn't chosen because of Jordan. I always thought that was overblown, and I'm really glad that they kind of buried that shit. Well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? When the, when they when he when he called Jordan to say say what you know do you want to play and who's playing? He's like, well, the guy that you don't want to play isn't going to be on the team. That was well, a total nod to no, Isaiah. No. You don't think you don't think he's no, skating around? Absolutely that? not. No. Really? No, look, Isaiah had problems with everybody, and it wasn't yeah. just Jordan. And they make that very clear. And every, it's just everybody pointed the finger at Michael because he's Michael. But, like, Larry Bird hates Isaiah Thomas because of what Isaiah said about him in the playoffs, saying sure. that he'd be another average dude if he was if he was black. And then he and Scotty had his issues. He I think Magic, Magic had his issues. So think I mean, Magic was the only one cool with him, though? No. So Magic that, to bury the hatchet with him. No, I, Isaiah was spreading rumors that Magic was gay. Oh, that's right. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Right. So n- nobody liked Isaiah. So right. adding Isaiah would have added a completely different dynamic to that team. And then you also have Chuck Daly, who's coaching. And it's like, I talk about this in our 1992 Dream Team pod where yeah. you don't, Chuck Daly probably doesn't want in the back of his head to think, I don't want any of these guys to think I'm favoriting Isaiah. And I've always had Isaiah in the last seconds of the game. I don't want that going into this because I don't think the United States knew how dominant they're going to be. I don't think they really knew what to expect because they just lost, you know, the previous Olympics. I think nobody really knew what to expect. So they're all going in with a completely different mindset than any other dream team. Hey, a couple things, couple things real quick. I just want to clear up before we start. Wait, wait, Wiley, did you have some? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that like, I, I think, Chemistry is huge when, you comes to, when it comes to a team. And, um, you know, they wanted to be at the top of their game. They, they had just lost. They want to win this one. Um, so, I think adding Isaiah Thomas to that team just, you know, destroys the chemistry, doesn't take them to the top of their game. Um, and it just becomes a problem. And I think that nobody wanted him. I think I agree with Zach. I don't think anybody on that team wanted him there. So, that's why he was snubbed off of it. Um, did you guys talk about um, the potential of Shaq being on that team? In your in your pod, we did. Yeah, Leitner was better than Shaq at the time. I don't care what anybody says. That was the right choice. It's easy now to say Shaq, but Leitner had the titles. Leitner owned Shaq in college. I mean, he torched Shaq. Uh, True. I just, I, I just like I was thinking about that, and I thought that would have been awesome if like Shaq was on that team and just you know. But uh, I, I never liked Christian Leitner. I was an NC fan, so fuck Duke. <laughs> well, I mean, Leitner deserved every bit of it, and he had the celebrity right. to handle it. I mean, he was more popular than most NBA guys at that time. Um, and also, with Isaiah, there's nobody I would have 
put Isaiah over, like a lot of people think Mullen, like who's your outside shooter then, you know, like they didn't need Isaiah. They had Stockton, they had magic and Pippen was basically a, a point guard. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's, he's a chemistry killer for sure. I just thought it was interesting that this is how I view it. <clears throat> okay. And this could be a, a hot take or a what take or whatever take, but hot take, hot take. Okay. You ready for this? If you're the person putting this team together, who's the first person you call? Michael. Absolutely. <laughs> Jordan, of course. Absolutely, right? So then if, if I get that phone call, I'm Jordan, and the first thing the guy says when I say who's on the team, the correct answer would have been, I'm calling you first. That would have been the correct answer. And that's what I thought was interesting, him saying, the person you, you, you blah, 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 you don't want on the team or the person that is not going to be on the team. So I just thought that was interesting. You know, I just thought it was, you know, he had to put that out there. Well, you also – you also got to remember they were assembling the team before that season. And so magic was still kind of the king of the hill at that point. So I'm sure magic got that call first. You think so? I, I think so. I, think I, I mean, I, I don't know, but uh, magic was definitely, I mean, Jordan didn't have any titles by the time they were assembling that team. That's true. But Jordan was on that. Everybody knew at that time, Jordan was the man. In my opinion, I know, I know. Magic well, you're not the man like, until you win. Yeah, true, but like back then, trust me, like no one had Max Johnson sneakers. You know what I mean? Everybody had Jordans. It was Jordan this, Jordan that. Like, remember when we talked about the Kobe podcast? And it was like, you do the fadeaway with Kobe. Like, when you take your last second shot, like all my buddies was Jordan, Jordan. You know, we weren't talking about magic anymore. You yeah, but he, he was still known as Mr. Selfish at the time, though. Like, there's still a lot of negativity about Michael then, where oh, magic totally. was, you know, kind of that celebrity you know in the movies mr la i mean at the nice time style. sure, Ma sure. magic was bigger than jordan at the time. <clears throat> i just think we, i just think you called jordan first that's what i think but i also um, think you have to consider too though is that if you put isaiah thomas on this team or you're considering him how many people drop out and say hey i don't want to do this oh i totally so, agree like, i'm not like how many people are you going to lose just by throwing his name oh, in the mix and, and all i wanted when i when i heard that was to have some sort of like yes we didn't want him on the team who really kind of like <laughs> kept him off the team type of thing. Um, one thing that, I want to say. That suit is awful too. It's like Tommy Two-Face's suit. That <laughs> shit is awful. <laughs> Looks like a monster. One thing I want to say real quick um, is the whole thing about the gay thing and the, and the rumor spread. Um, way different time period. Um, there was a lot of people, unfortunately, that were not um, – um, I don't know. If, I don't want. I, I want to use a word that makes sense, but uh, there was a lot of ignorant people back then, unfortunately. And I remember watching the thing when um, Magic went on. Um, oh God, what's his name? Arsenio Hall, and they basically said, "Like, are you?" He's like, "No," and like the whole crowd like clapped, like thought it was the best thing ever that he wasn't, you know, wasn't gay. So um, that was a different time period, and obviously. You know, we're all pro-gay on the show, and, and we have nothing against anything like that. So I just wanted to put it out there and just make people realize back then it was very different um, than it is now. And uh, it's a shame that, you know, somebody like Jose was doing things like that. It's just not cool. Just so, just so everybody knows. Um, so then after that, the, the win, the Reebok logo thing was pretty interesting. Yeah, cool. big time. Hold on, can we, can we, like, go back just a little bit and talk yeah. about, like, Jordan's beef kind of with Tony Kukoc and, like, just because of Jerry Krause? No, what that's a great guys, point. What do you guys think about that? 
Well, we had talked about that in the pod. So, oh, did you guys? Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was super interesting. Um, You know, I I knew Croatia was pretty big back, you know, was pretty dominant back then. And I know Tony Kukoc was on the team, but um, it was kind of interesting seeing Jordan being like, hey, like, I'm going to go after Kukoc because Jerry Krause is trying to scout him and, like, he thinks he's going to be the next me. And he's like, I'm I'm shutting that shit down right here, right now. Uh, I'm going to go at him. And I just feel like the hate from How about Jordan, Barkley? How much and, how, like pissed Barkley was after that? Oh, yeah. That interesting. That surprised me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I like what Tony said about how he didn't expect to be deed up that hard the whole entire game. And he was like, I don't understand what I did to these guys. I thought that was interesting. And the whole war thing we didn't talk about. And I thought that was interesting, too. It's like how hard would it be to come over to America when you have a young kid and your, and your country's at war? Oh yeah. That was a great point. I mean, that, you know, gives you a little more respect for, for Tony for sure. But that whole, yeah, Wiley, you're right. That whole entire little segment of that show is really interesting, especially Barkley just sticking up for Pippen to get paid. Well, one thing about NBA guys is that they are a family and they stick together and they understand like when somebody is kind of being screwed by management and over the years you hear things through word of mouth or just by being through the, you know, the business. And so to see an owner like Jerry Krause kind of treat Pippen the way he does, uh, treat some of the guys in the organization the way he does and come out and say these things publicly, guys like Barkley see through that real quick. And so, I mean, of course, they're going to come to the player's defense for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I but I just cool. I thought it was super interesting. Um, just a cool little backstory on, on Tony Kukoc because a lot of people know him when he was playing for the Bulls, but I don't think a lot of people know you know his history and, and know a little bit about that and like that huge. Um, you know, I I just think that that hate for Jerry just kind of fell over into the game and um, you know playing playing that hard defense, but then Tony Kukoc to come back in that second game and um, that that second that second series that they had and. Um, you know, put on a much better performance. I, I thought that spoke a lot to Tony Kukoc. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, he's playing with the Bulls. So I thought that was just pretty interesting turn of events and just um, the timeline of everything that happened. Yeah, I don't think he's the player he becomes without that adversity. He's still a great player, but like NBA-wise, I think that really – I think that was an important two games that he played against the USA – you know, well, you you could look at the other way because he was also viewed as being the next Magic Johnson. It could have really fucked up his confidence. <coughs> instead yeah. of instead of be, becoming the, the next Magic Johnson, like he's being compared to, all of a sudden he's basically like, you know, a role player. So True. It, it could have actually gone the other way. We'll never know, obviously. Obviously it worked out for him. He won titles and not taken away from him, but – even he said, he's like, wow, this is how the NBA is played. I guess I have to adjust. Like, he said that in the Dream Team documentary. Yeah, yep. I thought it was cool, too, because I think it started to chip away at that Euros are soft image. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was kind of an important – even though it's still stuck with the Euro tag for a while, I think that was important, too, to show, like, now this – you know, these guys aren't soft, like you would think. You know what I mean? Um the uh, Reebok logo thing was, I thought, interesting for sure. I thought, um, I thought it was really weird to think they weren't going to get their gold medals if Michael didn't wear the the jacket with the Reebok logo. Yeah, was I, it was just a power move. They're just flexing nuts, and obviously yeah. Jordan being the alpha alpha, he he won that battle. And oh, for sure, know, yeah, ingenious and way. Like just I totally agree. Way. 
to cover that up for sure. And then yeah. to see his face too when he's walking, like yeah. to get oh, yeah. the medals, like he just—it's everything that fucking guy does, man. You know, it's it's alpha all the way. Everything. Yeah, and really quick, going back to the Olympics, um, just to backtrack after that practice when they all got on the bus and that bus is silent. If you can silence a bus with like twelve Hall of Famers for like five minutes that's when you know how great you are. You know, if everyone's like, holy shit, what just happened? You know, you, yeah. you just had to go piss Michael off, you know? So. Especially, <laughs> especially Magic and Charles. Yeah, yeah, the two They're loudest dudes. Good Lord. <clears throat> yeah, very impressive. Um, the politics stuff I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the main reason why is, like, politics always sneaks in sports here and there, and sometimes it becomes a big thing, sometimes it doesn't become a big thing. I think it's a slippery slope, personally. Um, and I think Jordan just didn't really want to get involved with, with politics in general. I thought his choice of words might not have been the smartest. Um, I liked how he explained why he said it, though. Um, any takes on that stuff? Uh, I, I love the way he handled it. I, I don't think that it's kind of like you said, if he doesn't really – know the guy or know enough of what he stands for, why get involved? And he's yeah. right. Repub Republicans do buy shoes too. You know, you yeah. don't want to, because if you start getting involved in politics, you do have people that just completely shut people out. Like I know a lot of people that were LeBron fans that aren't anymore just because of, you know, his political views. So I think Jordan's done it the right way. Like he's a smart business dude. And I respect him for not getting involved in politics and not using his celebrity as a platform if he's not passionate about it. Yeah. So I, I, I really applaud him for that because it'd be really easy for him to give into it. And I mean, he, he gave him the, the donation or whatever yeah. the endorsement. So it's like he did that and then he still gets shit on for it. It's like, he didn't do enough. Well, he probably did more than you. Like, what did you do? Did <laughs> exactly. you endorse him? No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I think that, like he said, at one point, he's like, I'm a basketball player, not an activist. And I think that's huge. I mean, if you're going to be, um, if you're going to use your platform, it better be something that you're passionate about and something that you care about. If it's not, if it's just because you, you want to please the people or you want people to jump on board and, um, and support this guy, I, Jordan was like, I don't know him. I don't know what, you know, what he stands for. I don't know his views. I don't know what's going on, but um, it sounded like he didn't want to, conform to what everybody wanted him to do but like zach said he made his donation he was like i'll support him in the way that i know how not with my voice or my platform but yeah. you know I'll, I'll give him some i'll give him some funds i'll help his campaign and we'll see what goes from there but i think this this episode these episodes really kind of spoke to how big michael jordan got because of how perfect he was and like he never he never did any wrong in anybody's eyes and so i think this kind of, and they kind of talk about it in episode six, we'll talk about later, but um, they, they kind of, I liked how they, they started bringing in some of those things that he was starting to do that started to kind of irk people and kind of mm -hmm. led up to everything else that kind of happened, which I thought was really cool um, how they did that in the, in the episodes. But um, I think now you're kind of starting to see, okay, like Michael's been this perfect, you know, ideal like icon that people are, you know, putting all the way up here. And now it's starting to see, okay, well, now people are trying to knock him down. Well, let's see what happens, how he responds. And I think he responded great to that. So I, yeah. I agree, too. You know what he responded the best with? He just fucking did it on the court. Yeah. yeah. Every you single time, it. I was like, you know what? You think this is a fucking problem? I'm going to put 40 on somebody tomorrow. 
Yeah. I mean, and I thought that was like, I mean, how much better can you get? You can tell me exactly what I'm doing right or doing wrong in life, but if I'm kicking ass at my job, why does it matter? Yeah. You know? and that, He's like, oh, you're going you're gonna to be mad I'm not going to endorse Harvey Dent? Fine, I'll go put up 50, you know? You know what I mean? And he did that. Um, okay, so do, do we want to stay chronological or we, we, you want to stay chronological with the um, – we're going to stay chronological with the episodes. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So the All-Star Game is the next thing we'll talk about. Um, man, I was thinking – the first thing I was thinking was, wow, that East team is kind of weak when they were first showing, like, you know, like seeing some of the guys like Sean Camp, you know, Cleveland Sean Camp, obviously not Seattle Sean Camp. Rick Smith, hey, Cle- Cleveland Carter. Camp was good too. Cleveland Camp was good too. It was, it was Blazers Camp that wasn't. Mm, and and, and uh, if you're following us, you know that we're doing the bla- the Jailblazers episode, so you can learn all about that if you hit the subscribe button. We're, we're, we're in the middle of that episode, which has been a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was very cool hearing everybody kind of talking about Kobe, like, you know, having to earn his way through, and he's, he dribbles too much, he doesn't pass the ball, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, I thought it was interesting the the – the vibe between Larry Bird and uh, and Michael in the locker room. I thought that was cool. Uh, I love just, Bird's quote. He's like, well, we're here. We might as well win. Might as well win, right? That's <laughs> just so Larry Bird. He's like, fuck it. We'll just win. So good. I like but, how uh, Magic was so, like, looking at the camera. I was like, motherfucker, um, mother, <laughs> mother, whatever he said instead. I thought that was pretty funny. Like, he didn't want to curse on the on the <laughs> camera to, to see those three together that's the most real i think i've ever seen those three totally you know, in one setting they just like looked like they were just so relaxed in themselves yeah. and really not worrying about the camera until magic said motherfucker but. you you could tell too because like going back a little bit in the episode when they're all the three of them are taking the pictures together they look just so stiff where yeah. like birds got like the thumbs up and jordan's <laughs> they just look so like they don't like the first time they've ever been in front of the camera. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, we see young bird rapping and old bird giving a thumbs <laughs> up. <laughs> oh my god! Right. What um? What are you guys' thoughts on that All Star game? I remember it. Well, I, I want to talk about Kobe. I mean, we can't oh, yeah. like, we we can't just well, that's what I mean. that, but uh, with Kobe, it's uh, I thought it was so cool how Jordan was talking about Kobe and how they're talking about the young guy coming up. They're like, you know, he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep attacking. And Jordan, I, I've loved it. He said, you know, if, if he takes four shots and misses them, he's like, I'm not passing him again. He's like, if he wants the ball again, he's going to have to go get that motherfucking rebound or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it was just really cool to see how similar their mindsets were. And then Kobe, like, asking for, you know, his guidance. And uh, what I loved that Kobe said was, uh, you know, everything that um, – or what you get from me is from him. And he basically said, like, I don't win five titles without Michael Jordan. I thought and, that was great. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like it puts to rest all those people who are like, oh, Kobe's the best, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. no, like, you know, yeah. that came from Jordan. It's the same thing with guys like LeBron. Like, a lot of these things are coming from Jordan, you know, and you just got to appreciate the greatness. I loved, I loved also that Kobe has the balls at 18 years old to call out guarding Jordan in the All-Star game right off the shot. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting to hear. You can tell he patterned after Mike for sure. You could tell that Mike was super cool about it too, saying, "Hey, get my number, give me a call." And then how hearing how Kobe would call him all the time. Yeah, you know? and you can see their games are very similar. 
Oh, okay. it's it's to you know. a T. Like there, you know. I don't know if you saw the video I sent you. Oh yeah, I mean they're like it, morph into each other. Yeah, it's it's a mirror image. It's insane. absolutely, absolutely. What are your thoughts, Wiley? I I loved it. Um, I just thought it was so so awesome to see um to see Kobe back in in and in that interview. But uh, I just thought it was super awesome that I think it's all about how you approach players. I mean, um, and the mentality of of being a basketball star and um, like when you're on the court and you're playing and it's regular season or it's playoffs, I mean, you're cut throughout your battle and against the other person, but um, you know, yeah, Kobe still stepped up and was like, Hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Jordan. But um, he even said that, you know, during those games, he was asking him questions and was saying, Hey, can you show me this? Or how do you, you know, do this? And like you said, Eric, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, take my number and you can call me anytime. And then Kobe's like, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. So I think it's all about the approach. And I think it just speaks a lot to Jordan uh, about his character and just being like, yes, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to help these young guys and I'm going to help you out. Like, but you approached me the correct way. You mm -hmm. know, um, you came at it the right way. You were asking me questions. Yeah. I'm definitely going to help you out. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, help, help project your career to, you know, or give you the, that advice or, you know, give you whatever you need to step your game up. Um, so I think it just speaks to both of them. Um, and I just thought that was like super cool. Um, it kind of gave me chills when I was watching it. I was just like, that's, that's the coolest thing. That's exactly what you want to see um, when you play basketball is you want to see the competitive competitiveness on the floor while they're playing, but then all-star games um, outside of that, you want to see the camaraderie and you want to see them, you know, helping each other out and just being, you know, basketball players. I think that's at the end of the day. Um, and, but my favorite thing though, I've, I've, if I had to say anything, was just that locker room um, before, I mean, the locker room talk, everybody was relaxed, hanging out. Uh, I think I personally love the all-star games just because it gives everybody a chance, you know, to get out of that competitiveness uh, through the season and be able to just kind of kick back. I mean, these guys are all friends uh, behind the scenes. I mean, you may not see it a, a lot, but um, cause they battle so much and that's what you see on the course through those 80 games. Um, but I mean, I think it just speaks to how much they, they do behind the scenes and how much they're like willing to, you know, hang out with each other and, and just enjoy each other. But, um, I thought that was super awesome to see, um, Jordan and Kobe. And then especially what Kobe said, um, about Jordan helping him out and, uh, and everything that he did. So I thought that was super how, cool. How about the Grant Hill line on the bench? when they're talking and Grant's like, I'm moving out of the way. I don't want to be a poster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was great. I also thought it was very cool to see. And it was kind of hit me a little bit. I've never been a Kobe fan personally, but to see how mature he was in his interviews for this documentary and knowing that he would be gone six, six months, a year later, I thought it yeah. was really, really cool to see the cocky kid shooting air balls in playoff games when he's 18 to be in that Jordan guy where, you know, he's given back so much to the game. And while I made a great point, it's like, if you come at somebody respectfully that loves that game and is part of that game, that person should give them the respect back. And that's what we saw with Jordan giving it to Kobe and Kobe giving it to people later in life, helping other people out too. Um, and you will hear a ton of more of those stories too, because I have really have a, really have a funny feeling that Kobe's last season is going to turn into one of these type of documentaries. I, I just, there's enough footage and people are following him around, but I, I thought that was really cool to see him just calm. Did you get that vibe? Just calm and mature. 
when he was talking about everything. And I, I just thought that was, was just neat. Yeah. Well, he's, he's kind of always had that mentality too. And I think that's why he's so great. He's just always calm and confident and very sure of himself. And you totally get that vibe um, all throughout his career, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I, what I also liked about that all-star game too was how competitive it was. It was nice yep. to see a bunch of guys have that competitive mentality rather than let's try to score 200 each you know yeah so it, just well, a different time you can tell people love playing with each other too and it was like the it wasn't like what the nba turned into yeah. so it was like hey this is gonna be the one time i get to play with jordan you know on jordan's team you know what i mean like that type of thing like you're not gonna see sean kemp you know on the bulls you know what i mean so that's the one chance kemp gets to play with him and other players get to play you know it's just you know where you have Malone, well, no, that's a bad example because Malone went to L.A. But <laughs> yeah, Also, with Jordan, Jordan set a certain standard, I think. I think just whenever Jordan's in the, in the room, you're automatically like, oh, shit, like I need to come to play today, you know? Yeah. And he just kind of brought that, that – just that presence in the locker room where everyone's like, oh, wow, like, you know, like Kobe, like I want to guard Jordan. And yep. so it was just different, whereas now there's really not that person that demands that kind of presence in the locker room. No. Uh, Whereas Jordan did, and I think that's why All Star games are a lot more competitive. Then. Yeah, he was definitely he was definitely the rock star type, you know. And it's interesting too because we talked about, or we're talking to talk about right now, how impossible the tickets were to get. Yeah. The games later on, and and all the celebrities. Is it me, or does Jerry Seinfeld make you super fucking uncomfortable whenever he talks to another <laughs> human being? It's super uncomfortable. And the only time, this is the only time I've ever laughed. It's the only joke I ever thought was funny of Jerry Seinfeld was when he points at the whiteboard and he's like, that's not going to work. This one's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I don't think he's funny. And I, that's the only time I've ever laughed at anything he's ever said. <laughs> but he's so like, he's so, it's like so fucking uncomfortable. He's very socially awkward. It really is. For yeah. a guy that makes his living being in front of people it's very it's very interesting um, and R randy brown got pretty chubby towards the end of his career holy shit <laughs> yep fuck looks um, like a shot putter <laughs> it was it was definitely sorry excuse me it was definitely it was definitely i mean i remember it being like that with the celebs for sure i mean madison square garden's a different boat anyway because it's always celeb filled you know what i mean and so is is la but it was interesting to see other people popping out um that Georgia Dome was crazy, too. I forgot I, about that. That was you know, absolutely I, insane. 62,000 people. Yeah. That's nuts. You that see people dope. in the stands. They can't even see the court. And they just have binoculars. Guy, <laughs> so one guy was like, we could have sold way more tickets. Like, people would have bought them. And I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. I, oh, I mean, yeah. I would have. I, I for sure would have. But, yeah, you couldn't even see the court on that one side. And people were still there. How pissed are you, though, if you're like Steve Smith or Matumbo and your like, <laughs> owner just makes this whole special thing for the opposing team? It's, I'd be so pissed off about that. I'd be like, wow, like, what, why are you doing this when our opponent is coming to our house? Right, like, I don't right, know. Yeah. I, I would just have that mentality. would be like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Wasn't no, it for, for sure. also interesting seeing Steve Smith like buddy-buddy around with Jordan in that, in that All-Star game? I thought that was interesting. Every time you saw the camera, it was like he's like putting his hands on Steve Smith's back or he's like walking somewhere with Steve Smith. Like I thought that was interesting. I didn't know they were I didn't know they were buds. Um all right. Can we go to episode six now? Yeah, absolutely. This is um this is a heartbreaker for me. I'm wearing my Knicks hat. 
Um, <laughs> it was a heartbreaker, but for you two youngins to understand how fucking great the Knicks were for a short period of time. Um, the whole, let's start off before that. So the whole Jordan in the crowds being like Mike, you know, the Olympics probably really catapulted Jordan big time, obviously, like globally. Um, but I like how they talked about that stuff because there's certain people that they can't go anywhere. I mean, you really can't go anywhere. If you're Jordan, you know, if you're like a, a Madonna, an Elton John, somebody that's super huge, that transcends decades, it's impossible to have a normal life. And you do trade that. You do trade being a normal everyday person for, for what you are given. And I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was a trip. I forgot that Gatorade was in glass bottles. Do you guys ever drink Gatorade out of glass bottles? I did, yeah. <laughs> so did. weird. It so weird to think. But um, it was, you know, the other thing is it had shitty taste in beer, didn't they? I'm talking about Miller Lite? Miller Highlight champagne of beers, baby. Uh-oh. Let's do this. <coughs> I'm here for that all damn day. Dude, no, you're I'm, a multimillionaire I'm, and you're drinking Miller Highlight? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Jesus. Champagne of beers, baby. Ugh. I don't know about after the game, but I, I did like the – a little segment where they showed them just like chilling after uh, and they're all just on the, uh, on the tables and Jordan's talking about the old guys like back in the day. And he's like, they were doing this at halftime, smoking <laughs> cigarettes and, you know, drinking beers at halftime. And I was like, that'd be wild to see just a little halftime, you know, hang out. And <coughs> oh, smoking the cigarettes was a big cigarettes. thing between like all the sports, all those guys would smoke cigarettes in the locker rooms at halftime. And I'm just thinking like, why would you want to smoke a cigarette after like, and then you got another half to play. Like it's, hey. and I love how you saying you bump him off the coach. That cracked me up. Vladi Diva was doing that in the two thousands. Oh god, yeah. easily. Shut up, Vladi. He smoked like three packs a day. He's, he's just a he's fucking chain so smoker. <laughs> yeah, he needed a break. So, okay. Hold hold on though. Like Jordan, yeah. uh, Jordan walking through those crowds though. That just made me exhausted just watching it. Just and yeah. Uh, yeah, when he's in that hotel room. Um, in the end with the cigar, he's just laying on the couch. It's like I am over this shit. That's yep. exactly that is exactly how I felt after our March Ma- Madness project yep. right there. So I, I totally get it. Imagine just walking out this, the the way they showed him walking out to be interviewed, and all those fucking microphones and everything just com- and all those people completely in your face, and you have like probably a two feet to move. You know what I mean? And everybody just yelling questions at you. I mean, that alone itself would be enough for me to be like, no, fuck this. Yeah, I'm I'm good not being my – Him leaving leaving the hotel room and just being bombarded. I think, like they said, from the start of his day to the end of his day, he was literally bombarded with people. Like if it was media for a microphone for an interview for a comment or a question, and then it was like kids and it was like girls and it was just – everything I, there's no way i could i and still i zach know eric i'm sure you know too um if you go to the celebrity golf tournaments i mean dude just still gets mobbed when he comes yeah. up here and he's just people are just either trying to get a glimpse of him or just trying to get him to talk back or at least you know picture with him or an autograph or a comment on something and it's absolutely insane so i i agree with zach i really like that uh, that little segment that they put on there where he's just chilling on the couch with a cigar and he's like this is it this is where yeah. I'm at. Cause he's I just loved, like, I loved him showing giving back too. I thought that was rad. All the the stuff he would do for the make a wish foundation and stuff like that, you know, being as big as you are, man, being able to do that type of stuff. 
I think that's rad, and I I have respect for him for doing that stuff. I, I definitely do. We did see some, um, we did see some personal stuff in these last two episodes, which I thought was really really cool. The other thing I thought was interesting is, um, I think the first time he ever mentions his wife is after he wins one of the titles, and he just wants to sit in the room, and he's like, "Oh, you want to call your wife?" I think that's the first time we ever hear his wife mentioned in this documentary. Am I? Well, they they got I, divorced, right? Didn't they get divorced? But, yeah. but like the first time we ever heard, right? Right, yeah. Like we never heard him speak about it. I thought that was interesting. He's definitely a personal guy at the same time. You know, open it that's, up like this. He's definitely a personal guy. And that's what I loved about that segment is because like I feel and this is just my opinion, I feel like a lot of the players nowadays do that as like a publicity stunt. And I hate you know, I hate to call some guys out on that, but I think that they just like they just kind of factor that into their day and they're like, Oh, we better we better do some charity because it's kind of required. You know, they have to do the NBA cares and they have to do all that stuff. But Mike was just doing this for himself. Like he would just yeah. meet with these kids and he would just hang out with them. And like, they even said in the documentary, like every single one of those kids, like Mike was so personable with them that they felt like they were like sitting down and getting to chat with Michael Jordan. It wasn't just like a, Hey, how are you? Like here are my shoes or here's a, here's a jacket signed by me or a Jersey. It was like, he was sitting down, he was talking to him and was, you know, was joking with them. And I thought that was super awesome to see because that was back at a time where like, I don't think a lot of people were doing that. And yeah. nowadays it's like, it's so widespread because everybody does it, but it's sure. always, I think it's like a, it's kind of like maybe not a publicity, but it's just kind of something that is more, everybody does it nowadays and they have camps and they have this and that. I mean, Jordan's done camps and stuff, but um, you know, really, really sitting down with a lot of those, you know, make a wish kids, um, a lot of kids that are um, in hospice care and, you know, this, you know, might be the last time that they get to watch a game or see Michael Jordan. I thought that was super awesome for him. Um, just spend that time with those people, you know, before the games or after the games. Especially when you're the biggest basketball player on earth or whatever you want to say it is, right? When you know that your presence will make a difference in that person's life for the rest of their life and how much time they have left, to me, that is like the ultimate cool thing to do because your day is your day and you're going to go and do whatever and you have millions and millions in the bank and hopefully you're going to live a long life and this poor kid might get six months might get three months might get a year left and that's it and to be able to do that i have a friend of mine who actually was a make-a-wish kid and he ended up beating his cancer and uh, i had, didn't even know he had it and um, i went over his house one day this is back when we were in college and he had all this like stuff from the chargers and i was like oh, what's all this stuff dude this is pretty cool like Dan Fouts autograph and, and whoever else in the eighties and nineties. And he's like, Oh, I had, I had terminal cancer and I was supposed to die. And I didn't. And uh, he remembered every one of those meetings and stuff like that. So it shows how much that affects those kids for the rest of their lives, which I thought was amazing. Now, speaking about affecting kids for the rest of their lives or whatnot, the gambling stuff, I thought it was cool. They talked about it. The slim boulder guy, tell me he did not look like a character out of a movie. <laughs> Looks like Dude. a Rick James. <laughs> Dude, really? I know, right? I almost thought it was Dave Chappelle for a second, to be honest with you. Like playing <laughs> that guy. D Dave Chappelle's looking a little better than that. No, but I mean like, <laughs> that guy's looking a little rough. But you know what I mean though? Like that dude, like it's so funny because it's like he's hanging out with a guy like that. Like, you know that dude's trouble. Like, you know what I mean? So, well, at the time he didn't, though, right? <clears throat> okay, Zach, if I showed up at your house looking like that, would you think I was trouble? I, I have some sketchy friends. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I got some friends. I mean, 
Wiley's not the cleanest not, cut guy. No, I am not. <laughs> oh. I'm pretty sketchy. All I know is you're Michael Jordan and you're hanging out with characters like that. That's pretty amazing. Um, I'll tell you right now, I do remember the gambling thing and whatnot. I remember how that went down. I remember it was a lot of like hearsay, um, but that shit did happen when he went to Atlantic City and it was in the papers like crazy. Um, you know what's funny? I liked how he handled it. And I thought it was really interesting because he's like, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem. And My I favorite thought that quote. was brilliant. Favorite quote, hands down. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, because I can see same him at a blackjack same. table <clears throat> not caring about losing money because he's got a gang of it. He's wanting just to win. He's want, or at a poker game. He's wanting to beat everybody's ass. It doesn't, the money doesn't matter. And when they talked about that, what was it like? It was all the guys you think it was. It was like, it was like, it was like Bill Winnington and Paxson and whoever else. And they were playing blackjack for a dollar and he wanted to play. Yeah. Like, I, Cause I just want all your money in my pocket. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're playing for a dollar. I mean, that shows that dude's competitive. I think he'll never be able to turn that off. No, never. Never. And I, 70 always, years old playing people in fucking compete against people in, in like a, you know, in a, what do they call those houses when you go, uh, when you get older, I can see him going to bingo halls in his seventies and competing with people. I mean, he just, it just, that was interesting. That whole entire thing just, it opened up my eyes more to like, yeah, obviously dummy. He's super competitive. You know what I mean? He's yeah, playing no. quarters in the locker room. Like with the sniff course. brothers. Yeah. yeah. Like, with the sniff brothers. He's just, <laughs> just shooting quarters. Like the on. one guy's talking shit to him. That was so good. And you know what the hardest thing about that is, man? Like legitimately, if you're in a situation you don't understand, like I played, I played in bands for years, right? And some popular bands. And you never knew if somebody was there to be your friend or there because they thought you were cool because you played in a band or, they can, or you can get them into the club for free or whatever. And to be on that level times like a million, like it would be a tough life to live because you'd never know who you, who's your friend. You never know who like generally just wanted to hang out with you. Not because, Hey, I'm hanging out with Michael Jordan tonight, man. Like just I'm hanging out with Mike. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not even using the word Jordan. And like those guys could seem like ass kissers to him because like they said, the sniff brothers and stuff like that. But like, I bet you he really valued those guys friendships because they gave him shit and they treated him like one of the guys, like we just hang out the guys, you know what I mean? Not like a, Oh, you're this. That's why I'm hanging out with you. It's just, you know, they have fun together. You know? Yeah, and they're just talking shit to each other. Like, Jordan's like, just go protect the United Center. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's like, it's so good, dude. I so love good. seeing that, man. That was – and rest in peace to uh, to the guy with the most magical hair. I guess he passed away in January. He uh, – I, I don't know. I, I agree with Jordan, though. I don't think he had a gambling problem. I never thought he did. I always thought that was overblown. Um, I, I don't know. I – I just always thought it was overblown. So I, I'm kind of glad that he was able to kind of talk about that and kind of clear it up too. And I'm sure people will still think he has a problem, but I, I always thought it was overblown. What do you think, Wiley? And I agree. Um, I don't think it was ever overblown. Uh, I, think, I think it was overblown, but I don't think it was ever a, a, like a gambling problem for him. Um, like I think that they kind of alluded to, but they didn't really touch on it much. Um, but like 10 grand – to Michael Jordan is nothing. And when he owes, I mean, the guy was the most, that wasn't the most savory. I mean, Slim wasn't the most savory character, but um, he owed him 50 grand. I mean, I mean, to Michael Jordan, it's not a whole lot. And it's like um, 500 bucks to us. 
Probably. Yeah. So like, it might be gambling to us, like, but Jordan said, like, he's not hawking his watch. He's not, you know, he, he's not affecting him in any other way. Uh, he's still got money. He's still taking care of his, his family, his kids, his wife, you know, he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. Um, so I think in my background with psychology, I mean, it becomes a problem when it starts affecting your life negatively. Um, I think like, I think people were concerned because I mean, he was gambling on everything. Um, but I mean, look at nowadays, he might just gamble somebody on how many beers you can drink in a sitting, you know, I'll, I'll drink you under the table or, you know, or whatever the case is. Hey, look I mean, at this, look, could, look at it this know, way. Look at it this way. If it was a problem, cause we all live in the same state. Don't you think he would have a house in Vegas or, or, or someplace in Atlantic city? Or he wouldn't be a billionaire anymore. Yeah. He'd be, I mean, lose all of his money. You know what I mean? Like if it's a problem gambling and you want to gamble, you're going to live in that city. You're going to live in Vegas. You're going to live in, not going to live in Reno. I mean, you could live in Reno, but you're going to live in Vegas or Atlantic city. You're going to have a house there and you're going to have access to it whenever you want to. And I think that's when you, you, you see it becoming a problem when you start changing your lifestyle to, to be able to have access to gambling like that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I think you, I think both of you guys nailed it perfectly. And I was surprised they even brought it up and I'm glad they did because it's going to be interesting. Next week's going to be really interesting also because there's going to be some other things that are brought up. We're not going to give away. Most people know it anyway. Um, yes. But I, I, I want to get some thoughts on, um, on his trip to Atlantic city. So they kind of, they kind of talked about that and they like where him and his dad and a couple of buddies went out to Atlantic city. What did you guys think about that? You go first. It was completely overblown. You know, it's like here he is. He's exhausted. Like he's kind of hitting that uh, melting, like that that tip where he was just about to lose his mind because I think he retires the next year for for baseball or whatever. So he's kind of hit that point where he's exhausted. He's got to get away from the game, and he can't get away from people. Like he's being smothered by media constantly. He's gone to three straight. You know. He's going to be going to his third straight NBA finals. It's just like he, he just played on the dream team. The dude's exhausted, and he needed that break, and he's with his dad. Like, holy shit, he's, he's with his dad. It's not like he's out with, you know, Slim Boulder or whatever the <laughs> guy's name is. He's, he's with his dad, and he was home by, like, midnight, you know. So totally overblown. It's, you know, it, they just had to make it a story, and – like they kind of said, it's like they got tired of the McDonald's commercial commercials and the Gatorade commercials. They wanted something negative. Well, especially in that series too. Knicks were up to to zip on that series. Yeah, it's the media's fault they lost that series. You just had to piss off Jordan. He's all right. Uh, all right, here we go. So the Knicks series. As, as as most people have been listening to this podcast, they probably know that I'm a humongous Knicks fan. I grew up back in New Jersey. My dad had season tickets to the Knicks when he was uh, younger. Um, I love my team. And uh, I remember that series so well. Um, me personally, and there's a great um, – man, I, I wish I can remember. Search X-Man, X-Man pod, podcast. There's a great podcast, a Knicks site did with Xavier McDaniel. That's kind of eye-opening. It's really interesting. But um, I always thought they should have paid X and they didn't. And X went to the Celtics the following year and, um, and they get Charles Smith and they trade fucking Mark Jackson. And 
I thought they were close enough in 92, to be honest with you, like 91, 92 season. I, they, they should have, they went to seven games with them. And then uh, you get rid of some of those players, you bring in some older players. And I think it was just a bad, bad choice. So they go, they go, they win the first two games. I remember that. Then, you know, Chicago wins the next two games. And then um, the Charles Smith game. And uh, I'll never forget. I remember exactly where I was watching that game. And I thought they were going to blow a foul, to be honest with you. Like, I really did. Um, and then at the same time, I'm like, why can't he score? Like, I just remember yelling at the TV. Probably one of the worst Knicks losses I've ever seen in my entire life. And, uh, yeah, it was a heartbreaker. But the thing that I loved about watching the Knicks series, and I'm glad they put it in there because the Knicks were probably the, the Bulls' toughest opponent um, in that first run of, of the three-peat. I really do. I think they were in the East, at, at least. I really do. I think they were their toughest opponent. I think they matched up really well together. But I loved seeing, and I forgot a little bit because it's been forever since the Knicks have been good, how much heart the Knicks team played with and how they did not back down to that team. I mean, John Starks had the really bad straw draw of guarding Jordan, and he was up in his grill, and he was talking shit to him and didn't care. And that team played with so hard, so much heart. I really do believe, personally, if if Smith either gets fouled or makes that basket, I, I do believe the Knicks win in seven. I believe they I believe they lose in Chicago in game six, and I, I think they win in the Garden in game seven. I think that was – Yeah, but then they lose to the Suns. You know, <laughs> I'll be really so, honest with you. I'll be, save, I'll be, save, save the humility. I'll be really honest with you. That's a, that's a hell of a series. That's a hell of a series. And and it, it all depends on how Barkley plays. But I, I could see the Suns winning that series. I could see the Knicks winning that series. But, yeah, it was great to see the Knicks, how much heart they played with and um, and how much the Garden rocks. And I just wish the Garden was back to how it used to be. I'm not going to say anything more. You guys you guys, tell me what your thoughts were. Uh, I mean. <laughs> I <don't really> have... <laughs> great answer. <laughs> but, <coughs> I, I just don't. I just don't want you to attack me. No. Right now. But <laughs> say, say what you want. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I think the Suns easily win if the Knicks do. It. I mean, it doesn't matter if Jordan didn't go to Atlantic City or not. The Bulls are winning that series no matter what. Jordan, as long as Jordan's in town, nobody's getting past Jordan, and that's just how it was. Even if the Knicks had Xavier, they're they're not getting by Jordan. They didn't have a guy that could create their own shot. You know, yeah, they could, you know, beat the shit out of people. They could knock you on your ass. But Jordan went through the bad boys, and he – you're not you're not beating Jordan ever. X-Man doesn't change that series, in my opinion. You don't think so? Over, no, fuck You got to remember, he had an outside shot, man. He could score. He averaged I, 18 in the playoffs the year before. I mean, that that's great, but he can't really, like, create. He's – I, what I'm saying is they don't have that guy like a Kobe or a Michael or, you know. No, it was, it was a, a guy that can, It was yeah, and, in the post. And he really wasn't that good. We're not going to go there. But he's com- not not who you want as your main go-to guy as a scorer. Wiley? No, I, <laughs> I agree. I'm with Zach. I hate you both right now. Hey, That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Ewing has nothing to show for it. He's got nothing to show for it. And I respect. I can respect I, that. Look, look, he's a warrior. He plays tough. I, I like him. He's just overrated. He's in a big market. 
for being the number one pick. You got to have more accolades, more defense player of the year awards, more defensive team, something. He's got nothing to show for it. And uh, it sucks, but that's just the way it is. And I mean, he showed it in college too. I mean, you, you oh, I don't know, o- overhyped. I don't want to get too far into it because this is about Jordan, not Ewing. But right, right, right. And I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just not say another word. <laughs> not say another word. We're gonna, we're gonna go to the Suns in the finals. And what a, uh, what an interesting series that was. You know, um, like you said, yeah, no one's getting past Jordan. I mean, I had to live through that. God, every year, come playoff time, like I knew. Well, all right, here we go. Um, and the one year that we don't have to get by Jordan is the year we go to the finals and play the Rockets. But, but that Suns team is one of those teams that is super underrated. Super underrated. That's a great team. It's, and, and you can see the way that that team played. You know, they gave them fits a little bit. Um, I loved the final shot. And Horace Grant, his court vision on that final shot, Getting that pass to Paxson, yeah. When when I rewatched that, like, that's an all star play right there. Yeah, you know what I mean, he knows exactly where Paxson is. He has a chance to take the ball to the rim, and instead he hits Paxson for the three, and Paxson just drills it. Yeah, Horace doesn't get enough love. That guy was totally underrated. No, completely underrated. I think um, I think the episode before where they're talking about like Phil Jackson telling Michael like you're not going to be the scoring champion and you know we're going to move the ball more and whatnot like that's a perfect example of it and that's one thing that jordan does get shit from the lebron lovers is like oh well paxton paxton made the final shot not him blah blah blah. it's like well if paxton is wide open why not pass the ball to guys wide open they could hit the shot you know what i mean why make it more difficult if it doesn't need to be you know what i mean you know i think i think that was a huge i think that was a huge shot for them and it's that giving him confidence, like we talked about in the pod before, where he was saying Paxson, you know, he, he passed it to Paxson, Paxson hit a three, he passed it, passed it to him again, hit a three, and it's just showing more of that confidence in his, his, his role players on that team, you know. Uh, what do you think, Wally? And I really liked uh, Paxson <coughs> and his comments on that. I mean, when they showed him, um, he's like, the ball wasn't supposed to go to me, but a player stays ready. And, you know, he stayed ready. He didn't, he didn't fold in the pressure, knock down the shot. I thought that was super awesome, um, super big moment for him. Uh, but I really did – I'm going to uh, leave this to Zach. I'm sure he's got some good comments on it. But I really like the, uh, the Charles Barkley, um, you know, segment that they kind of put out on him and um, his competitive, competitiveness back then um, and him, him and Jordan going at it a little bit. Um, but, Zach, what do, you, what do you think on that? I mean – Dude, Barkley is a beast, man. And a lot of people don't realize how good he was because they see him now and they see him kind of as, as, you know, a joker, you know, because he makes a lot of jokes and he's heavy now and they, you know, make fun of him for being fat and eating donuts and shit. But, like, the dude is a badass and he was extremely competitive and he just ran into Jordan. And it just comes back to you're not getting through Jordan. You know, he's undefeated in the finals. You're not going to beat him. And Barkley did everything he could to not let his team get swept. And that's an all-time great. And that goes to show how good Barkley is. But that's all he could do because Barkley just comes back and says, you know, Michael wasn't going to let them lose that game, you know. And because he had that in his skill set and his, in his mind that he's one of the few players that could do that. And I just love the way that Barkley praises Jordan about it. 
Um, and for Barkley, he was also an alpha male. And to see Jordan kind of just completely take over that series and take over that game against somebody like Barkley, it's just he, he's on another level. And everybody knows it. All the greats know it. Barkley knows it. Magic knows it. Bird knows it. I mean, it's like I said before, you can silence a bus of Hall of Famers for like five minutes after a practice. Uh, it's you, There's no words for it. There's just yeah. not. The Dan Marley thing was interesting too. Yeah, and I love that. I love that how that that was Krause's guy, and he was one of the he's one of the better defenders in the league. You yeah. know, a lot of people want to make fun of Marley because you know he's a white guy that could shoot, but like he was a very good defender and a really super, good player. Super tough man. He was super tough too. Yeah. yeah, and and you could see it too. Like the highlights that they showed, he was on Jordan like white on rice. You know, oh, yeah. and Jordan oh, yeah. still got around him and and. and yeah, it's like I said. I think that Suns team is one of the more underrated teams of the last thirty years, for sure. That that team, and it was funny too because they were talking about Oliver Miller being a rookie on that team. But you know who's the other guy they talked about that I thought was interesting was uh, Richard Dumas. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, he was a stud for that year, and then he for that year and then he got problems. With, yeah, well, you know what it was? It was smoking weed. Isn't yeah, that crazy to think like he lost his whole entire season for smoking weed. He never came back the same. Well, he had other issues too. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's a shame because he I, he had a really good playoff, and no one really talks about that. So, I yeah. thought it was interesting. I mean, it's definitely you definitely know it's Jordan. You know, Jordan's calling all the final say on this project, but I definitely think there's things he did that um, was impressive in terms of seeing stuff. And I think next week is going to be interesting because you know there's going to be some things that they show that is probably the hardest part of Jordan's life, I think, next week. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see the baseball thing again. You guys remember that, or are you a little, a little too young? How how young do you think we are? I don't know. I remember that. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. You're saying you're saying, you're saying Ewing's overrated, so. Are, are you too old to remember? Are you too old to remember? No, I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Joe or Tim H. And Ewing is oh, overrated. Oh, oh. I mean, shit. Ewing is overrated. Tell me what he's done. Tell me what he's done. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll skip it for a later time. Simmer down, boys. All right. It'll be, it'll be too long of a pod if, if we go into that. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the baseball thing is going to be interesting. But I also think it'll be interesting to see how much he talks about his dad next episode. And I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. Because I think, I think between – what I originally thought, but then what I saw in these last two episodes is making me change my mind a little bit. Um, you do see the exhaustion way more. I thought the exhaustion was more of a, uh, a scapegoat to allow him to step away from the game. But you see it real well in these videos where you can tell now he was fucking burnt. Like when Magic said, you're going you're gonna to push him out of the league. Like that quote was like, wow, yeah. powerful because – Magic nailed it. He was dead on. He's like, you're going to yeah. push him out of the league. And yeah, he, and, it, and it's just funny how people had to come up with all these crazy reasons why Michael would leave just because it's so weird for somebody to leave in his prime. But it's like, why can't you just believe the dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's fucking well, exhausted. Well, you know why, though? It's because of, it, was the, it was because of the gambling accusations and his dad passing away and stuff like that, where that's where our heads were back then, thinking, oh, you know what? Like, okay. Like, because there's that big Stern thing where there's the big rumor where Stern told him basically take a year or two off. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because of all the, all the gambling acquisitions, you know what I mean? So that was a big deal. So that's why I didn't believe him really until I saw that last episode. And I was like, you know what? I, I can see him walking away from this and I can see him saying, fuck it. I got a ton of money. And my dad always like loved baseball. That was like my dad's thing. Like, why don't I, why don't I go and see if I can play, play baseball and make a major league team? I, and I could see, and I could see how competitive he was. I can see him doing that. And, uh, well, there's a GM that said that the improvements he was making were just completely drastic, and he, to this day, believes that he would have made a major league roster at some point wow. just I with the improvements that he was making. And for somebody that hadn't played baseball in, like, 10 years, too, they're just like, this is, like, unreal. So yeah. I think it's in the Jordan 30 for 30 where they talk about that when he goes to play baseball. So it would be interesting to go back and watch. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too, for sure. And I, I think it's going to be a very interesting – two episodes next week for sure. Um, but it's nice, it's nice for him to, to, to be human, like yeah. the show's human side. I thought that was one of my favorite things about this, the, the, especially episode six. Um, anything you guys want to add before we get on out of here? Any, any uh, comments? I'll start with you, Wiley. No, just to comment on that. I, I thought, um, yeah, it, it, it's gotta be mentally, physically exhausting, um, you know, to, to kind of will your way through a lot of the, a lot of these seasons um, and win a lot of these games. And then, you know, between the media, the fans and the, just the pressure to perform. Um, I mean, it really, I think it just really speaks a lot to, to Michael and, um, and his, again, like I say, his character, I mean, his ability to kind of navigate all that. And I mean, you see a lot of people who can't um, or you see a lot of people who blow up or, um, what starts to affect them negatively with substances or however. Um, but I, I felt like just this documentary has done a great job. I mean, it is kind of Michael's points, um, but uh, I thought they did, they've done a really good job, you know, just speaking to Michael and, uh, and how like mentally and physically tough he was uh, to, you know, to kind of do all this stuff. I mean, um, I mean, just speaks a lot to his character and I really, I really enjoyed these last couple episodes. And um, I, I, so yeah, Zach, what do you think? I agree. Um, and I, th I hope we kind of take this as a lesson for when we start, you know, talking about other athletes and try to jump to conclusions while they're doing things like these guys are human too. And these guys need a break from things too. Like, I mean, I went through a stint where I didn't play basketball for a year just because I was so burnt out. And I, I mean, that's not even near what Michael Jordan's going through just seeing people every single day playing olympics three straight nba finals it's like you know losing his dad it's like shit the guy just needs to get away like there's really nothing else to it we don't need to say it's because of gambling or blah 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 it's just like just take the man's word you know there's nothing to dig dig deep into you know so i don't know um and i just hope like when we start talking about like guys like lebron and kobe we can just appreciate the greatness and stop trying to make all these comparisons like when kobe said earlier when he said i hate this whole one-on-one -on -one comparisons who would win like you know what you get from me is comes from michael and it all comes around for full circle that's michael is that guy michael set the standard everybody's trying to be like michael you know be yeah. like mike so great points man i agree and we do, we, we do do that. We definitely, we don't give enough benefit of the doubt for people, for sure. Especially people that we put on pedestals and we think that they're just, you know, superhuman when a lot of times they're just human. 
and we just yeah. forget that. So that's that's a great point, man. I mean, really enjoyed talking about today. Um, the last two episodes, I thought, like I said, were great. And I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, it's weird because they're not finished with the series. Did you know that? Yeah, they're they like, haven't finished it actually like, yet. Yeah, they're, they're like doing ed- it. They're, they're like editing it as we speak, as these because they were supposed to be ready by June. So like they're not even finished, which is really interesting to think. Like, how are they doing this in in the world of quarantine? You know what I mean? Like, are they sending these huge files over to Jordan? You know, what would you change and that? I mean, it's it's definitely crunch time to get it finished for sure. So I think that was interesting that they keep talking about that in the press. It'll be interesting to see how it's going to play out. I mean, I wonder if that'll it'll change things because um, you're getting a lot Weird. of feedback. You're getting a lot of people watching. You're getting a lot of right. you get like instant feedback now with Twitter and social yep. media. So I wonder if that'll kind of spill over into you know what they what they end up showing in these last couple episodes. It'll be interesting to see for sure. What do you think? Is Jack? is anyone actually worried about Michael Jordan not getting this done in crunch time? Nah, like no, no, no. But no, Wally, no. Wally brings up a great point though. Because if you're not finished with this yet, it means you can push some chess pieces around. So if they're listening to the media and Twitter and all this other stuff, they can actually change the vibe of the last four episodes. Where like we should talk more about this. Like the audience seems to really like this, or we should. Or do you see what I'm saying? Like, we, like they want to see more game footage. Maybe they put more game footage in the last two episodes than they were it could- initially done. It could totally be like a Game of Thrones where, you know, you have nine years and he's like, they have this series all played out. And then at the end of it, they just kind of like throw shit together. And then you're like, what the hell just happened? Um, whereas I think now, like, they could be end up, yeah, like Eric said, they could throw some chess pieces in there. They could be like, oh, people want to see more of this. So we're going to throw some more of this in there. I mean, it would just be, I think after it's all said and done, we could look back at it and say, you know, would this have been different if they hadn't been editing after episodes have aired? Um, would it have been different? Or do you think it was still on point even after they've, you know, they've been in the, in the mix editing? Did you guys watch after it at all with Scott Van Pelt's yeah. thing? Yeah, I did. With the Dennis Rodman taking step back threes because Carmen Electra was in the audience? Oh uh, no! I saw the. I, I saw we were talking to Barkley. They did a. Bad I, I did like. I did like that clip where he was like, "Where are you gonna go?" And Michael's like, "I'm going golfing." And Robin's like, "I'm going to Hooters. I want to see some titties." <laughs> so good. So, like, Robin. so check Robin. this out real quick before we get out of here. So Van Pelt does this special called Bad Beats, and it's you guys know what Bad Beats are, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's talking about this bad beat where. The Bulls were playing the Timberwolves, and it was like a 13-and-a-half-point spread. And, like, the Timberwolves were covering the spread the whole entire game until the very end where, like, Rodman takes a step back three, like, gets the rebound, takes a step back three, drills it. And there's, like, no time left, and they're still covering. And then Pippen just passes the ball to Rodman, and Rodman launches another three. And it, it bounces off the rim, and Judd Bushler, of all people, taps the ball back in, not even looking at the basket. And they and, and the Bulls win by fourteen. And if you had if you had the Wolves by thirteen and a half, you lost on a Judd Bushler no look tip back in. But it was really funny because he's blaming on Carmen Electra. He's like, "When have you ever seen Dennis take two three point attempts in a game ever?" And one year step back three. It was awesome. It made me laugh so hard. I was like, "Good lord, we've all had bad beats before, but like that was hysterical." Um, I, I just hope I just hope that we can see Michael Jordan go rescue 
Dennis Rodman from a hotel room in Vegas again. That was oh, amazing. It, it, I, I'll, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. The Bulls sent Michael Jordan to go save Dennis Rodman. Like, why would you not send, like, an executive? I know. I know. I know. Michael, Scotty, go get Dennis. That's so good. <laughs> okay. I, it, there's been we'll be so back. much great shit from this, from this documentary, man. There's been so many great – the whole thing where he goes up to – Michael Jordan's room, and he knows he's fucked up, and asks him if he can have a, 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 have a cigar. Like yeah. that's his way of apologizing. Like it's just there's so much brilliance. It's amazing, gentlemen. I had a lot of fun talking with you guys today about about these last two episodes. Um, wanted to say real quick, thanks to everybody that's been downloading the podcast. I don't know if you know this, Wiley, but we actually made the Apple um, podcast charts for oh, yeah. for basketball, which is awesome. So. Thanks so much for everybody doing that. The reviews and the um, ratings are helping us too, obviously. So thanks a lot for that. The Jailblazers episode is still doing rather well. Um, so we're, we're excited, man. So find us on social media. Um, Not My House podcast is all over the place, man. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and we love interacting. So um, anything else you want to add to that before we get out of here? No, uh, no. I would just say uh, definitely tune in to Jailblazers. It's our fastest uh, viewed episode. So definitely tune in to Jailblazers. Part two is nuts. Uh, part three is going to be good too. So make sure you're tuning into those. Absolutely. Well, for Wiley and Zach, it's Eric. Thanks a lot for listening. Have yourselves a good week and make sure you stay safe. Mm-hmm.